All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is a weekly discussion podcast where we talk about everything in movies and television. I'm here. Well, I should say I'm Mike, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Richard and Raymond. Uh, we are three brothers, three cinephiles who love uh, pop culture, and we love to talk about the things we watched or the things we kind of read about in movies and television. Let's go into it really quick about some of the things that happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we got D23, right. which uh, happened like almost a week ago. Uh, was there anything that uh, you guys read or, or you, know, you saw some trailers that you want to really quickly talk about? I guess for myself, like the big announcement or whatever that I mean kind of stuck out to me, even though the movie's going to probably end up being a giant piece of crap. Uh, the thing that got me kind of curious was the announcement of the. Uh, Snow White remake with Gal Gadot and um, the girl from West Side Story. Just because I think Gal Gadot's an interesting choice to play the evil witch. <laughs> and um, it might, it probably won't work because none of the recent um, live action Disney remakes have worked. But um, after seeing the train wreck that was Pinocchio, um, I, I gotta see Gal Gadot play the evil witch. <laughs> now, is that a uh, theatrical release or is that going to be a Disney Plus? Yeah, it's, it's, Supposedly, as of now, it's they said it's theatrical, but I mean, maybe if it looks like a piece of shit, it'll <laughs> throw it straight to Disney Plus. Yeah, you would think that the the Pinocchio the, uh, when they first started, it was meant to be a theatrical release. I mean, I think it uh, was. Yeah, I yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, if this is the way they're going with uh, these these remakes or whatever reboots of these classic, uh, you know. Animated films, yeah. this classic trend, whatever. It, it's exactly like their Star Wars and their um, Marvel. You mean like, I it, mean, like it's just for subscribers, or it, it's no, no. They 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 just you know greenlight anything. I mean, they just go ahead and <laughs> oh. you know put their trust in the you know it's sort of like the Netflix way. I mean, they're they're it's and it's and it's not the way to um to to do business. I mean, it, it's it's all this new trend. It's just like yeah, it, that sounds like that sounds like the, the you know it'll win some um. You know, it'll get some hits, whatever. Go ahead, do it. And that's not the way to do uh, well, ori- movies. Originality is totally gone from these kind of, of know, course, discussions about. Yeah. They just rely on this IP. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's become a, a very, um, I think, serious problem with Disney over the past decade, and it's been a problem with them before that as well. But like with like over the last ten years, it's gotten really, really bad. How much they just rely on on, on IP and just. You know, they just care about, you know, making these release dates and stuff. You know, it's all like having a schedule or whatever. And just we don't have a, a geek movie or whatever coming out on this day. So, you know, uh, write whatever. And just have it out on this date because, you know, that's how it is. Horrible. What, what was it about uh, Cinderella specifically that you were, you know, were shocked about? Because when I heard about um, when I heard about the project, it just seems like typical Disney retreat. You Snow White? Oh yeah, it Snow totally White, is. Snow White, totally, Snow White. It totally is. It's just um, usually um, their their castings. It's like, oh, okay, that that that's an actor that everyone like loves. I don't I don't know if Gal Gadot's really that actress that everyone loves right now, right? I mean, I don't know. If, um, also, we, I don't know her range in like playing the villain. So I I I just think that it could end up being another like Pinocchio situation, and that interests me. <laughs> Well, it's being directed by Mark Webb, who's oh, who's awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, but 
it, really, it really might be like uh, like because I think Pinocchio is like the worst uh, Disney live action remake to date. Snow White might you know you know might surpass might, that. Yeah, might surpass it. It might take that spot. What's well, funny because like when when Def, Def on the Nile came out earlier this year, people were complaining. About, that was this year. Yeah, that was earlier this year. People were complaining about Gal Gadot's performance in that and how she's not really a, that great of an actress, or that's what you know some of the people were complaining about. And why why exactly did that whole uh, Cleopatra remake fall apart? Did it have anything to do with her acting ability? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's more about budget than anything else. Maybe. Uh, All right. Or Wonder Woman bombing, yeah, for the sequel, yeah. I mean, she looked like we were we're we're fans of her as Wonder Woman, and you know, maybe that, yeah, maybe she does have a limited range. Look how look how much uh, Vin Diesel did with it. I mean, that that, that's a limited range. (laughs) That's true, but I mean, Vin Diesel's movie on Vin Diesel's non Fast and the Furious movies don't necessarily do very well in the box office anymore. Yeah, but I'm just saying his career. I mean, it's (laughs) okay. Yeah, but I, you know, like when Vin Diesel. When he tries, I think he could be a, a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of uh, Find Me Guilty, which is a movie that you know you can't find really. It's like an obscure film, but I thought he does a it's pretty. On Blu-ray. Is it on Blu-ray? I think he does a pretty decent job uh, of of being this you know goomba <laughs> character, and uh, uh, you know his his line in the movie is like, "I'm not a gangster, I'm a prankster." You know, so I, I found that he, he I find that he's charming in some of these these. Films. He was very good in in the boiler room, but those oh, are wow. Yeah, about that. <laughs> this was like these are movies like twenty five years ago. You know, yeah, that I, and uh, Red Red Baby. <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, uh, yeah, what was it called? The Pacifier. The Pacifier. Okay, yeah, the Pacifier. Yeah, I mean that that was him doing like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, family film friendly thing. Yeah, he's in a, he, he's got that career that um, if you if you book him, you know what you're going to get, and that's exactly what uh, Gal Gadot's future is most likely going to be. I mean, if you book her, you 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 know you'll know exactly what you get. You know the range that they're you're you're getting with it. Yeah. So we we didn't have to talk this long about it. Yeah, <laughs> you brought it up. Now. I mostly just brought it up because it's the only thing I remember. I didn't know we were going to spend this much time on it. <laughs> well, it's also it's also being written. Snow White's also being written by Greta Gerwig, so that's the only thing good going for it. Mm-hmm. It's a script is by Greta good? Gerwig. Well, you right. know, she's we'll she's, she's the it, she's the it girl so far. As of now, right? Yeah. Well, let's throw let's throw it into like a different conversation about the Little Mermaid because they released the the first teaser trailer and people are making such a big deal about that. I, I mean, know we don't see anything. It's like the quickest little teaser. I, I'll say this: it looks like Aquaman, and they sung throughout the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a little teaser footage that, and I guess because you know it's starring a. An African American woman who's a, a singer, an R and B singer, uh, Haley Bailey, who I I think I saw her in that Grownish series. Uh, she was in, she's part but of she's that, on that. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. so she, she it was her and her sister, and her and she and her sister are a pretty a pretty big deal. I guess they're they're pretty popular as as singers. But um, and she was okay. I mean, I, I don't I you know she's perfectly fine. I guess. Uh, I got to see more footage to really kind of come up with a a real opinion. Yeah, it's, more of an, it's more of an announcement trailer in many ways. I'm so shocked that people are already like shitting on it for for no apparent reason. Yeah, because um, um, Halle <coughs> Bailey. I mean, I, I think she's a Broadway star also, right, or or something like that. Or she, I, but she's been known to to have a a good singing voice. 
That's why she got the yeah. gig, right? I hope so. Yeah, I, so. yeah. I think that's her. That's, I'm pretty sure that's her voice in the trailer, right? And th- and this is directed by Rob Marshall, who really needs a hit. I mean, uh, I guess Mary Poppins Returns, whatever, was a decent hit for it. But yeah, so also um, this is written by uh, Jane Goldman, who I really appreciate, oh, okay. um, and she needs, uh, needs to come I, back. I really like her writing. Yeah, I mean. I really liked her write, uh, writing early on in her career. And uh, um, yeah, um, I, I'm hoping it's at least decent because this is the only, I mean, the the only thing not um, very secure with me in this film is Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Mm. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a big part to to be singing. And if she sings like, you know, Roseanne Barr or something, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's gonna throw throw the whole movie off because I, I, Javier, Javier I, I, Bardem is also playing the king, but oh, I, I from, uh, no, no, I I see his character in that uh, in that trailer for uh, his alligator movie. What's it called? The um, Lion the Crocodile? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that character uh, from just seeing in the trailer, uh, that's a, that's a real spin. This guy is a real accurate actor. I mean, well, he's tried. He's he's he's. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's you could say he's an actor's actor, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely coloring outside of the lines. <laughs> well, I, I'm just I'm just saying that if this movie's a, a bomb or whatever, it's not going to be his fault because that uh, that loud, loud crocodile he looks fantastic for such a crappy movie. Oh, you like him in that trailer? In, in those trailers? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I appreciate I don't, I don't, what he's doing. I don't even remember anything in that trailer for that crocodile movie except a crocodile in the tub, and then I and then I just tuned out. You know? I was like, oh, of course, I, I'm with you right there. But then when I see Javier Bardem doing all his all out, I, I think I, I, was, I, I was I was still tuned out by that point. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but but I I don't know. I don't I don't think singing is going to be a problem for Melissa McCarthy. I'm I'm more worried like if you know is she going to be doing her you know. You know, uh, I'm I'm a fat lady shtick. <laughs> Bumping into a uh, uh, sea turtle. Yeah, yeah, is she gonna, be, is she going to be like the female Chris Farley, like bumping into everything and like yeah, falling all over everything? Well, that's her, that, that's that's of, her thing. That's what I think of. That's what yeah. That's when I think of Melissa McCarthy. That's what I think of. Well, I remember she did a um. Uh, she dressed up Ursula for like Vanity Fair, right? I mean, for oh, was really? that her? Wasn't um, that, or maybe it was Queen Latifah. I, oh, I, I don't remember. Queen Latifah would have actually been better now that you brought her up. <laughs> no, it wasn't her. Okay. It was Queen Latifah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think Queen Latifah would have been better. Well, is there anything else in D23? Some of the Marvel stuff? Uh, Secret Invasion? Yeah, that was yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone, everyone says that, that, that that's got the um, uh, Winter Soldier vibe, and I definitely agree with that. It, it does look like a more mature Marvel series. And I'm all for that. Uh, yeah, like Richard, I'm extremely excited for this series. It looks great. It definitely looks like it's going to be bringing back that Winter Soldier vibe. And uh, for myself, and I think for you too as well, my favorite thing so far in this current phase of the Marvel universe or Marvel Cinematic Universe that we're in, my favorite thing in it has been uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this looks like it's going to be even better. So uh, yeah, I'm all for this series. I want Marvel to do a bit more projects like this, and maybe a, a couple less projects like you know Hawkeye and you know, all the other crap they've been putting out, Loki, no more multiverse shit. 
Yeah, and I'm also I'm also interested in seeing Amelia Clark. Uh, what's her, what's her actual character? What she's playing? Uh, is she playing an actual Marvel character? And um, also uh, Kingsley Ben Adir, um, who's playing the big the bad in this movie, the bad scroll or whatever. Um, uh, he he's one of the best parts in um, in uh, One Night in Miami. He played Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm also interested in seeing how how he does in this series, um, and it might be a good you know role for him. And Olivia Coleman, I didn't know she was going to be in this at all. Who knew Who knew she even had time to do this with all the projects she's attached to? Well, the the thing I I got from the trailer was that this really feels like there's an a plot. <laughs> There's a mm-hmm. point, a point to the the story. It, you know, there's a secret mission. There's an, a secret in, uh, alien invasion, and uh, Nick Fury has to get to the bottom of the, of things. You don't get that in in most uh, Marvel series. It's usually these kind of loose plot lines, and it's really just weird character development stories that don't go nowhere. And I'm sure there's going to be some of that probably in this series. I, as well. I, I, I hope not. I hope not. I hope. No, but I mean, I'm, but I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's going to be stuff that happens in like, you know, by the end of the series and then, you know, the, you know, the next Marvel product or project or whatever is, you know, not going to acknowledge any of this or whatever. Oh, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the problem with some of these uh, Marvel TV series. They kind of don't connect. They don't feel like they're connecting and everyone is like these little islands. And they're just yeah. doing everything in that island that just don't affect the rest of the universe. Or and each island has a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, and and each island has a rule, different rules, and the and the characters change so much. Marvel has a big problem with with not just their te- television stuff, but also with their movies. And yeah, they're they're really in a kind of. I, I, I to me, it really seems like they're kind of spinning around and not really knowing where to go. So uh, yeah. Now, before we kind of leave this whole D23 discussion, let's quickly just talk about uh, the new Indiana Jones movie. Harris Ford comes out crying, <laughs> very, very very emotional. He kind of uh, reveals that this is the final movie in the, well, at least his, his, his participation in, in the franchise. Who knows if they go beyond this without him? Uh, what was your feelings of just, see, just knowing that this might be the last time we see Harrison Ford as Indiana oh, Jones? Oh, this will be the last time. Yeah. <laughs> From what I understand, they they showed a a, a trailer for it, and um, everyone seemed to be most impressed by it. Um, but yeah, so far it sounds good. I mean, um, um, uh, this this of course not having not being done by Steven Spielberg, it's uh, it was a shock to everyone. Um, but James Mangold is seems like it was the perfect choice to uh, fill in his shoes. Um, but I, what I was really surprised, um, is that they did not give it a full title, Indiana Jones and the whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I, it, everything seems good to me. I can't wait for it. Um, I, I can't, I can't wait. Um, cause I'm still kind of in that more in that stage where I'm like, why, why are they even making this? But, um, you know, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm sure it's going to be decent enough it has to at the very least be better than the last indiana jones movie but yeah i'm not gonna lie i'm not i'm not excited mm-hmm. the saddest thing is that uh uh k hugh kwan is not involved in it but he did uh reunite with him on stage and that that was awesome yeah that that was cool <laughs> yeah that was cooler than the actual announcement of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh let's get into some uh tiff news uh there was a lot of uh 
kind of movies that came out during TIFF. Uh, big kind of award contenders. I think the front runner, maybe, or at least I would say the front runner could be uh, the at Fable. Least for best actor, right? Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> talk about the whale. <laughs> no, we talked about the whale last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the big movies that came out of that festival was the Fablemans, kind of this first look at the new Steven Spielberg family drama, which is kind of based on his own life, his own family. Mm-hmm. It's centered in, on this young boy who kind of discovers cinema and he has to struggle against his father, who is more a scientist, more kind of a, a scientific minded man, and his mother, who is more of an artist, a concert pianist, and just a kind of a free spirited. Uh, this really seems like a homage to his parents. His parents are, mm-hmm. are have passed away the last couple of years, so mm-hmm. he seems it seems like it had a freedom up to, to to tell this kind of personal story. Uh, you know, you know when the movie re- was premiered at TIFF, uh, it got really decent reviews, and people are saying this is might might be the front runner for for Oscar contender. Well, I've been saying that since the movie was announced, or uh, like a. Uh two years ago or whatever, right? Because, I mean, Steven Spielberg making a biopic about his life, of course that's going to be the front runner for Best Picture. <laughs> but after, like, West Side Story, which I, you know, we both... People we- love it, you know? And, <laughs> and some people think it's, like, one of his best movies. So, I mean, just because we didn't like it doesn't doesn't mean you can't count out his next film, because this one clearly was going to be better than West Side Story. I didn't hate but, West uh, Side Story as much as you guys did, but um, I well, appreciated uh, well, I- the, the direction. Well, I didn't hate it either, but I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's that's how it kind of goes. But um, I I really like this trailer. I think the trailer for the movie is uh, very good. Um, it, it's, I mean, it's it's Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, like, I, and we're all film fans. So watching this, I mean, there there is something about the trailer that is that's sort of like relatable, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and I and I love that about it. But at the same time, this isn't like the first film of you know about you know growing up loving cinema and no we just had one last year yeah well yeah but but i'm thinking of a better movie too but uh like when i when i was when i was watching this trailer i kept thinking to myself like being kind of negative i was thinking like this kind of just looks like cinema cinema paradiso but with like rich people (laughs) well i mean i I wouldn't He's definitely middle class. I, I wouldn't say uh, yeah. Spielberg is a rich person in, in this. In, well, the family in this is a rich uh, a family. It's no, but you, but, but not like a, but not like a Italian vill- villagers like uh, Cinema yeah. Paradiso. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, it still looks like a great movie. I just, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's going to be like, um, I don't know if it's going to be better than like Schindler's List or anything like that. You know what I mean? I don't think it's going to be one of Spielberg's top five movies. But that, I mean. That that's that's a that's that's a great top five, you know. I mean, that guy's made some of the greatest uh, American films of of all time. But mm. when you hear about him making a biopic about his life, I was kind of expecting this to kind of maybe possibly be his best movie. And I don't know, I don't think it will be, but uh, it still probably will be one of the year's best, or probably the year's best. Because I mean, so far the only good movies that have really been coming out this year are like horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think because uh, this year doesn't particularly this year, it seems to lack some really great films. I think Fablemans will be, well, definitely be one of the top, you know, films that come out this year, top rated. Yeah, probably, probably, definitely. Probably would most likely make my top 10 list. Uh, when I saw the trailer, because the trailer did came out, I was uh, shocked at, at how 
uh, you, you kind of forget that studio movies used to make these type of personal films. Because usually if you see a personal movie like this, it has a low budget. It has like mm. non-actors in it. You know, um, maybe actors you don't even, you never recognize before. But we kind of all recognize everyone in this cast. You know, it's got Paul Daniel, M- Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen, and, and Judd Hirsch. And, um, and the, the kids, you know, the kids are... are Kids are kind of relatively unknown, but I'm you know I was shocked that you know they're these are big stars, and mm-hmm. it's back, back in the day studios used to make these personal movies. They don't do it anymore, and I guess being Steven Spielberg, he's able to have that power to kind of do these kind of. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't think this is a big budget film, but certainly it was done with a bunch of with great yeah, craft, budget, craftsmanship. Yeah, it's not a cheap movie. Yeah. Cinematography looks beautiful and all that, and you're really just talking about like a family drama here. So I was very impressed in in that sense. R- Rich, what was your thoughts on just watching the trailer? Uh, I got a lot of Belfast, uh, of course, from uh, the just from being just la- nominated last year. Mm-hmm. Similarities and um, and it seems like uh, Steven Spielberg has probably had this in the back of his mind, probably since producing Super Eight, which had yeah, a similar similar sense. theme. Which had a similar theme, except for aliens. Um, yeah, yeah. Cut all the sci- science fiction <laughs> stuff from Super Eight, and this, you got the Fablemans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's the be- that was the best stuff from Super Eight. Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, again, this is Steven Spielberg, and written by Tony Kushner, who did the uh, his last screenplay, West Side Story, and uh, and one of his best films that. Uh, no one really talks about uh, Munich. Mm-hmm. I, mm. I really, I really love Munich, and uh, um, I think that's one of uh, Steven's best are, films in the past. You know, are those the only two Spielberg movies he did? No, he also did Lincoln. He did Lincoln. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I, I know everyone loves Lincoln. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Lincoln fan. I'm. That's probably one of my least favorite Spielberg movies, personally. But right, I'm right. right there with West Side Story. Yeah, but um, but people love it, man. I, <laughs> people love those two movies. Um, but yeah, I agree that um, this movie is most likely going to get nominated for just for being um, Steven Spielberg and uh, a theme that uh, is going to be liked upon. And uh, of course, it's not no almost famous or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, but it's gonna it's gonna be well enough because um, um, I don't see any other films coming out that are surefire. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, um, the, the, there, I, again, there's that whole, you know, love for film and, you know, getting into, you know, uh, getting into like, a, I guess, I guess short film filmmaking and indie film filmmaking or whatever that uh, we all gravitate towards. But I think, you know, also this whole um, kind of coming of age story in the film of, you know, just growing up and, you know, parents going through the, going through a divorce and mm-hmm. uh, getting bullied and stuff i think all of that uh will hopefully make this you know a big success film you know what i mean because a lot of times you know a lot of these oscar movies come out and they completely bomb at the box office i mean hell west side story bombed at the box office and um i would i, I don't know i guess all i'm trying to kind of say again is i would like to see you know one of these some of these academy award nominated movies to actually you know be seen by people <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point that's a good point i think this one i think this one might i think this one might because of the coming of age aspect yeah, like Coda. No one saw Coda. Yeah, but I, but I mean, this is actually going to theaters. So, and I'm I'm saying I, I hope it. I hope this makes more than West Side Story's ten million or whatever. Yeah, open. Yeah, 
And I'm rooting for it. I think I think it will be successful. I think it will. I don't know if it's going to be a huge like opening weekend movie, but I think it's going to have legs. Uh-huh. And um and uh, yeah, I think it. I think it'll be maybe as hopefully as successful as something like War Horse, which was a Steven Spielberg movie that I really enjoyed and think it's underrated. Yeah, I think this film comes out in uh, Thanksgiving, so that that'll have uh, uh you know family. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully, because I mean, because it again a movie about filmmaking that could come that could be very niche. Mm-hmm. You know, those movies don't you know blow up the box office always. Well, I found I found it very interesting that Spielberg now is getting to it in his personal life. You know, be, if you look at some of the f- filmmakers that he grew up uh, or you know he his his contemporaries like Scorsese, De Palma, uh, even George Lucas, they all they they all kind of started with personal movies. You know, Lucas did American Graffiti, which is based on his, you know, high school years. Scorsese's Mean Streets was, you know, based based on his relationship with his buddies in in the streets of New York. So really, I didn't, I didn't know that. Well, it was, it was all it was all these are all kind of personal movies in the seventies. That's you know, like to, to in order to break in in the seventies, you had to do like your own personal film. And no, but I never I never know that he had that type of connection to Mean Streets. I always thought it was just like this kind of like badass like movie he made. Well, I mean, it, I wouldn't. It's like semi biographical. I mean, I wouldn't say he was a thief, you know, or like like, <laughs> a, like a petty petty c- criminal. But he definitely yeah. he's definitely friends from the neighborhood. He knew those guys. Yeah, he, he knew those guys. And and De Niro knew those guys too. You know, that's why they were such a great team together. And uh, De Palma, you started as a kind of count, uh, countercultural filmmaker. He did comedies, and a lot of it was about like kind of you know college kids, you know, just hanging out. They used to do a lot of hangout movies, you know. I mean, even even today, a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of filmmakers usually, when they're kind of like breaking in, I mean, their debut film is going to be something usually personal. Yeah, 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 or something that they were really into, like a certain genre they're into. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, Spielberg was the di- he was a different kind of filmmaker. He was oh, he was very professional. He broke in TV first, and then he became like kind of the blockbuster guy after Jaws. And even though, like, some of his other, you know, his other blockbusters were kind of, per- you know, they had these little personal things in the film, it, there's, like, personal stories in these, these films, but usually they're just kind of genre films. To, for him to be, like, in his 70s now, and then going back to a time where he's now becoming personal, I found that very refreshing and also interesting to see what he has to say about himself. I'm sure he, because he's getting older he he doesn't have many films in in the in the future i mean he's because it's that's just the way how age like, works you know yeah. so uh, uh um i found it I, I just find it really uh refreshing that he's going this direction yeah that's why i'm so interested in seeing this movie i'm so i'm so pleased to see that the critics really kind of dug the movie what's some of the big uh movies that you you read or some of the premieres that you you, you said oh I, I should check I should check out that movie is there anything else and then from tiff there were uh well uh, yeah I, I guess the, the movie there was, was the whale <laughs> the whale yes yeah the whale are we are we are we talking about this movie or no well I mean we talked about it last episode but you know it, it started it premiered in Venice and now went to tiff and it just kind of just doubled the reaction it just kind of doubled down on the reaction people just tend to really love Brendan Fraser in this film at th- at this point it really seems like he's a surefire uh, 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 front runner for best actor this year and yeah. m- most likely he is going to be his name is going to come around and he's going to be promoting this film as as a potential best actor uh, contender 
I hope I hope he wins. I know it's early in the year and we and there's still a lot of performances we have to see, but oh man, I just love that guy so much. It would be so awesome to see him win, and uh, he I mean he deserves it, and it'd be great. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I could, I just based off you know performances I've seen from him in the past, uh, I know he's going to deliver. Well, the only three film the only three films that I keep hearing are uh, Martin McDonough's uh, Banshees of an Insurin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the the Irish film with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. I keep hearing that's really good. And also, of course, Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that screen over there. And, uh, you know, it's, everyone's saying, you know, it's it's good enough. Um, no, everyone's saying it's better than the first. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's even better. And then there's this small indie film um, called... Uh, how to blow up a pipeline that's by a um, uh, newcomer daniel uh goldhaber and uh that's the one that's uh um i think just got picked up by uh uh someone to uh release so got picked up that by one got picked up by neon neon okay films. yeah neon yeah so that's the one I'll, I'll probably be interested to see and interested to see if they change the the title because that's a horrible title <laughs> <laughs> That movie is about like eco terrorists. They're planning eco terrorism. Yeah, they're planning to uh, blow up a pipeline. <laughs> Maybe the, yeah, the, the title works. Yeah. So, <laughs> how to blow up a pipeline? Yeah. <laughs> Another big movie that came out of TIFF and which is now in theaters is The Woman King. Uh, this guy really great reviews. It's actually doing very well in the box office, surprisingly. But it also spawned this controversy online about how the you know the historical inaccuracies of the film. Yet, if you hear some like the critics, people who have, have watched it, they, they do say that they d- do kind of touch on some of these problematic problems with the movie, uh, or at least uh, problematic stuff that happens in real in history. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's uh, if you look at films with historical problems, but they tend to be action heavy. They're usually are given a pass. You know, say something like. Braveheart, or or even uh, how dare you, <laughs> Gladiator, Gladiator. These are two kind of like not necessarily historically accurate films, but they're great action adventure films, and I think that's what the Woman King seems to be also. So uh, if, yeah, and, and, for, and from my understanding from the reviews that I've seen, that's kind of what the movie succeeds succeeds at being. It just from uh, from what I've been seeing, it, it sounds like the movie's not. Um, not as it, like the scope isn't quite as big as something like Braveheart or Gladiator. So if you're going in, you know, expecting you know this giant epic, maybe expect a mid-sized epic. <laughs> you know, this is uh, directed by Gina B- uh, Prince by the Wood, who did uh, the Old Guard in, on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, and this is also stars uh, Viola Davis as a warrior, a female warrior who leads a, a group of, of a female African warrior team. And the, the, this is based on the true st- story of this uh, tribe. In, I think they're called uh, the Homi in Africa, and and there were kind of it's there were kind of the inspiration of the the female warriors in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But um, but the, the the controversy is that 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 this tribe where John Boyega is playing the king, this tribe was very involved in the slave trade during that time. And so they would sell out different tribes and, 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 and basically kidnap other black members or black countrymen t- 
to to and then sell them to to um, white colonizers or slave traders. So that's the controversy. Like the, these are not necessarily heroes, uh, but uh, I guess that is addressed in the movie. Um, I don't know. I you know it's funny because once this, once they announced this 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 movie was coming out this year, I did hear some of this stuff in, in on on Twitter and online stuff like you know about the the historical inaccuracies of, of the of, of the story. I mean, this didn't yeah. came out of the blue. This was always in around, and people were talking about it. And yeah, I, th- I thought the go ahead. I thought the the I thought there were going to be more controversy that the the movie was written by two white women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maria Bello, who's a uh, uh, the an, actress, an Maria actress. Bello. Yeah, and she's she uh, she's uh, gets a she's a writer and one one of the producers. But I think G- I, w- I want to say Gina Prince by the Wood does does do a, a a script doctoring or she gets a credit for co-writing co-writing the script too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that was basically uh, set up by those two uh, women, white women. <laughs> white women. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Viola Davis producing it too. But well, she sure I, sure. I think Viola Davis came later because I think initially it was supposed to be Lupita Nyong'o as a star and she her her oh, sketch- I thought she was playing the the younger version. The, the younger girl, the uh, the one from uh, um, the uh, Underground Railroad. I think that was a, that was a character. No, I think this was supposed to be Lupita Nyong'o's uh, starring vehicle, but then she got too busy with either Black Panther or whatever. No, I read she was playing a, a different character, though. Oh, was she? Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, she's definitely not in the movie. <laughs> no. Just, what's your thoughts on the controversy itself? Um, people, tip, people just tip. wanting controversy to, to complain about people wanting drama. Mm-hmm. Typical, typical. Uh, yeah. Any, any, uh, um, historical biopic, whatever, um, uh, gets, gets trashed on by some other person, uh, all the time, mm-hmm. either before or after it's, it's a hit. Like Braveheart, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or, uh, or, or green book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean. The the better the movie, the the harder it gets hit. Okay. The thing is, if it the 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 grand scheme of it all is is that if it's entertaining, and that's what it is. That's what it's proven to be entertaining. I mean, I think so, there, I think there, you get to, I think there's some movies that go beyond a certain point where you go, okay, that's wrong. Like, for yeah, instance, like the, the Weird Al story. <laughs> yeah, which which is another movie that came out, which which is another movie that came out at TIFF, and which is getting a lot of. Good buzz. People are loving that that uh, parody of a biopic of where Al Yankovic. No, but the the, the movie I was thinking about is U five seven one. Oh, shit. which is, yeah. which is a movie that you love. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> this is a, a World War Two submarine thriller uh, with mm-hmm. with Bon Jovi as one of the stars, but uh, <laughs> Bill Paxton. That's Har- John Bon Jovi. <laughs> uh, 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 Bill Paxton is also in it, and Harvey mm-hmm. Keitel. It's about how it. it's about how American sub uh, submarine team <laughs> captures the uh, a German sub, a German sub, and but also the, the Enigma cipher machine, right. which did not happen in real life. And in fact, it was the British who did that, who captured that. Right, right. <laughs> so they changed it and they made it into American. And so this uh-huh. was a big deal when this movie came out because it's basically just rewriting history. And I think at that point, you you could really say. This is wrong, you know. This <laughs> yeah. is this is rewrite. This is this is going beyond just you know poetic licensing license. 
you're rewriting history. And I think that uh, David Ayer, who wrote co-wrote that movie, he has come out or, or like uh, when he was doing uh, that tank film. Uh, oh, Fury. Yeah, when he was doing Fury, he had he had come out and said that that was his his worst mistake of his life, and he wanted <laughs> to to pay respect to all the people because they filmed Fury in England. And oh. so, so during that time, he he came out and said, like, I, you know, I just wanted to make up for it and stuff like that, because it's you really kind of, it's almost at the point of uh, uh, what they call, um, what was it when you you steal honor from people? Uh, Plagiarism or no? No, the, like like valor, stealing valor. Oh, so I mean, yeah, I, 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 that conversation should be had, but I don't know if it, we we should also wait to watch the movie before saying something too. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something that really the, some news that came out recently. Uh, they Sony announced that they're going to do a new Karate Kid film, right? So, and they just kind of announced it in a way that they slotted a certain release date, June seventh, twenty twenty four, and they say this is going to be a new Karate Kid film. So nothing, nothing that uh, officially has announced that if, if any of the original cast members are coming back. But they did say it was going to be a new Karate Kid from the franchise or something. What's your feelings about that? Do you want to see a Karate Kid film? A new no. one? I haven't seen the new season of Cobra Kai, so I'm, I'm curious. Is, 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 like, is there like a new character introduced in, in, in there that could be like a new Karate Kid or something like that? Maybe it's a spinoff? Well, I'm looking at online right now, and I, uh, one of the co-creators of the Cobra Kai has come out with a tweet, and he says, this is his tweet. The guys and I would love to make a Karate Kid and Cobra Kai movies and hope to do it someday, but this one isn't from us or focus right. on the mm. Cobra Kai cast. Don't know much about it, but wish it well. To me, that seems like it's a reboot. It's a reboot or a remake, and you know, so it's it's got to be either a complete reboot or another uh, Jaden Smith sequel, right? Yeah, no, um, no Jaden oh. Smith. Oh, you know what? Uh, not sure, but Is I think I, <laughs> I, let me just say this. I think Cobra Kai, me and Rich saw the, the latest, uh, season was it season five. Good? Yeah. Season five. Was it good? Was it good? Yeah. Really yeah. It's, right. it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's cool. It's exactly what you want from a, one of these kind of revival franchise revivals. Uh, they kind of pay respects to the original uh, cast members or the original characters, and you know, like like the like the series has been doing, uh, coming up with new characters, younger generation, and kind of mixing the two. And I, I think this season alone does it more better than some previous seasons. Like they really kind of a, a nice mix of old characters and new characters, and kind of c- continuing the, the storylines of bo- both of these new generations. And I think they got a really great, nice balance between all the characters. I, I really, I was really, I was really pleased by this season. Rich, what was your thoughts? Yeah, of course. Remember, I was a super fan of Chosen coming back and I, I wanted him to have a spinoff. And this, this season just proved I was right. <laughs> and this, this, the, there's way too many characters right now. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's time to split them up. I mean, give Chosen his own uh, uh, Miyagi Do, whatever, in another uh, uh, part of L.A. or whatever, Orange County, even you know, <laughs> Garden Grove. <laughs> I mean, uh, L.A. is a big place. I mean, that, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, because you got Daniel, you got Johnny, you got yeah. uh, uh, um, 
Miguel and Robbie and you know Sam, the the daughter. Mm-hmm. These are a lot of characters, and they, I think that when once you watch this the season, the new season, they kind of do a, a nice balance of 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 paying attention to one character and then going to the next and going to the next, and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't it doesn't it has this nice flow. Yeah, even like someone like the main villain of the season is Terry Silver, again played great, you know, fantastically by Thomas E. Griffin, who. You forget, like he's he's a pretty good actor, you know, and yeah. it's 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 it just shows you like Hollywood's just a cutthroat business because I haven't seen this guy since Karate Kid three, and yet uh-huh. he is he's terrific. He's a terrific villain in this in this season, and you know he he has time enough time to like really build on his character and what he's doing in in the season. I think it would be stupid, a stupid idea to just do another karate movie and not be related to the Cobra Kai series. There's a lot of people who love this series. And if you're doing a Cobra Kai or if you're doing a Karate Kid movie and it's a, a reboot or a reimagining and with different characters or different actors, it would be a dumb move from Sony. But, you know, this is Hollywood and they couldn't yeah. care less. But uh, no, it's Will Smith. I mean, Will Smith needs needs to eat. I mean, uh, no one, no one, he's unhirable. You, you think it's, so it's, so you, it's produced. you think this is uh, spearheaded by Overbrook? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely, um, he, he's striking while iron's hot mm. and um, Cobra Kai is his only meal ticket right now. I'm, I'm not convinced of that just yet, but you might be right. Rich, let me ask you this. If Sony goes along with, with, with just rebooting the Karate Kid, you think that's a, a good idea? You think people, you think there's going to be a fan revolt if that happens, right? You would think. Oh, uh, I mean, there is uh, over everything. There is over the Woman King. So, <laughs> yeah. of course, there is. <laughs> there is for the Little Mermaid, too. But, but I mean, I think, I think that there's a, a lot of love for Cobra Kai and to just totally dis regard the creative I wouldn't be that. surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they do an 80s flashback whatever redo re, um uh, uh Daniel LaRusso get Timothy Chalamet to play bleed the new Daniel LaRusso you think they're going to get in someone else, someone to play Miyagi <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely that's what I'm saying I think that's I think it's a terrible idea because you gotta yeah Cobra Kai is just a, a, a you know has a, a large maybe not maybe not large maybe but a very strong loyal following and people who have watched the show absolutely love the show. Devoted to it, yeah. And 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 they're actually very pissed that, that, that Netflix hasn't really promoted the last season, season five, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like we like we're saying that we saw it and we're, we're pleasantly surprised how strong it is. And mm-hmm. after watching the whole you know the season, I'm like, man, this should have been like well promoted or something. And like it really seems like it's going under the radar. Uh, well, as long as it makes number one on the in their top ten list or whatever, that's yeah. all that matters, and it and it does that. Well, it, you know, after watching the season, the this this new season, I'm like, I, I was like, is the next season the final season? Because it really feels like I'm saying the way it was treated, uh, the way it was promoted, it really felt like Netflix is closing the chapter on it or something. It's still a cheap show to make, um, I would think, yeah, um, yeah to produce. So, that, well, that's another. Great point because it looks cheap. It is cheap. Yet you could tell by the, the producers of the show and the writers of the show really love Karate Kid, mm-hmm. and they're really paying respect to the to to not just the characters, but you know they really kind of uh, understand what has happened before, and they're really it feels like a continuation of the story, and it doesn't feel like they're 
making up new rules and changing characters' traits or, you know, to fit in some kind of box. I was just shocked at how good it is, even though I shouldn't like it because it looks pretty poor. It doesn't have great cinematography. And for a karate show, it has some of the worst karate I've seen in a very long time. Oh, <laughs> It, it's yeah, pretty well, bad. Uh, it's pretty bad. You know, like when when well, when when Daniel when when uh, um, it, it's no raid. I could tell you that. But yeah, when um, Ralph Macchio's throwing oh, up, yeah, throwing yeah, up a yeah, kick, yeah. it looks like an old man throwing up a kick. Even with William Zapka, who I really love in the series, when he's but the show gets away with it because it's it's it, you you watch it for the characters. And yes, it's exactly. Also the show, but but you watch it for the characters, but also it's not. It's not like a drama, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know like a lot of, you know, maybe the hardcore fans might, might like to believe that it's a drama, but it's more like a dramedy almost. Yeah. Like it, like the show's created by the Harold and Kumar guys, and they really bring a little bit of that sensibility, but more for a more family audience instead of a, you know, raunchy audience. Not and really. um, I think that's, I think that's, a, I think that's part of the reason why, why it works though. Yeah, it's a true. That is why it works. It's a true TV series, unlike you know Game of Thrones and stuff like that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it still feels eighties. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't say eighties. I'd say well, I'd yeah, nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It definitely feels like a low budget TV show, but even with all those constraints, you know, it, the heart's it, still there. The heart's still yeah, there. The writing. Exactly they care about the characters. The writing's yeah. still there. The character developments is still there, and and it's humorous. <laughs> Yeah, and they they really kind of make do with what they got, and they kind of stretch a dollar a lot, you know, as much as they can. Oh yeah, because yeah. you could really tell that they maybe have maybe four or five locations, and if something big happens in the in during the se- season, they'll pick one of these locations, like Dan- Danny's or Daniel's house as a, as a location, or the mm-hmm. back the the backyard as a location, and then they'll just mm-hmm. base a you know a certain uh, uh, storyline around that, and. It, so they they do it in a very smart way. I because they there's you can feel the love of the characters, they feel the love of the of the franchise. It is it's, it's fantastic to watch that and it's fantastic to have people kind of wanting to continue the story and you don't get that from watching some of these Marvel movies or Marvel TV series or 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 Star Wars TV series. There's like you really feel like groups of writers coming in and like saying well, it's our time now, and I'm just going to change up the rules, and I'm going to change up the characters, and I don't care what yeah, happens. But, la- la- but, and- but to be fair, but to be fair, oh, I don't even know if to be fair even makes sense in this scenario. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, that's kind of what like all these TV shows from the '90s used to do. All these shows that Cobra Kai feels like, except Cobra Kai does it right because they're sticking to the same kind of people and stuff that are kind of uh, show running it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, so the Marvel, the Marvel thing is like, like kind of like what we were mentioning earlier. It feels like they're all like on their own little island, right, with their own little showrunner. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're all making up their own rules. They're all doing whatever they want, and uh, it's just, it, it, it's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. If it was entertaining, then okay, I could like let it go. But it's not entertaining at all, so it's not working. So, well, that, yeah, that, that's why. I mean, they always yeah. they do, they do their shows or whatever. With that, oh, we'll just make it work kind of attitude. Should we should we talk about She-Hulk Attorney Allah Why? really quick? <laughs> Why? Raymond, have you have you continued to watch She-Hulk? Yeah, I have. I have because it's like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now we we on this podcast, we kind of reviewed the first episode and we were kind of shocked at how 
not bad it was, <laughs> or mm-hmm. like it was not as no, bad. I, I like the first episode. I okay, it was really good. Then second episode happened, and again, not that great, but okay, passable. Yeah. And then I don't th- remember what the second episode even was. But it had it had um uh, uh it had a uh, uh, Tim Roth, right? No, the abom- well, abomination. A little bit, maybe a little bit, but it had uh, Mark Ruffalo. What oh, was the storyline oh. of episode two? I can't tell. I can't even remember. <laughs> These, yeah. I just remember like, okay, that was pretty that okay, I can see the flaws coming in now. And like I remember that. But then episode three happened and then episode I go, two episode two, she just got hired at that law firm. Right. And so episode three, which is the 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 Megan the Stallion cameo episode. Oh god. Was to, uh, then you could really see what ha- what's going on in the series. And then you got the last episode, or at least the one I, the one I saw last time was the episode four. Oh no, actually Imagine. no, no. We saw. Have, have we seen five episodes of this stupid yeah. series? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's okay, so left, right? okay, okay. So we saw. Okay, so the fourth episode was the magic one, and this fifth. That was the, that, for me. That might have been the worst one. I hated that one so much. I don't. I don't remember what last week's episode was. The one I. The one I just watched like two days ago. I don't even remember what it was. I forgot yeah, it already. The last, the, the last one was the uh, the uh, the uniform one, whatever the the. the oh right, and she got oh, a trademark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. I hate no, I hated the the magician one the most. That was the worst one for me. Because they ruined Wong. Yeah, they ruined Wong, and Wong has become like one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond, I hate to I hate to interrupt, but uh, there is actually nine episodes. There's not Ooh. not over next. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> It's not over next week. All right, whatever. (laughs) So they're going to totally make it up for it. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I'll I'll say this. I'll say this because I I did say this um, at some point to you guys before in the past. I think She-Hulk would probably work if it were an adult animated show. I just don't think as Mm. this kind of live action Disney sitcom that it works. It's almost like this like tonal clash where they can't even really necessarily do what they want to do because they're a Disney show mm-hmm. and then they have to do it as a live action sitcom which doesn't I just don't think this works as as a live action sitcom with what they're trying to do with it as, as if it were cartoon and if they were allowed to go like R-rated with it or like TVMA like the Harley Quinn animated show or something like that then I think I think it could work but what it is now I think is kind of a disaster yeah yeah I know because I because I, I I love the Harley Quinn animated show and I, I could almost see like some of these jokes and stuff like being reworked mm. to work on something like that but it has to be like in animated form and also like uh, I, 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 I I brought this up before but I really think the director that they hired she's I think best known for directing the Jennifer Lopez movie Marry Me she's really not helping she's she's making she's making everything worse. Because I don't even think she understands like how to like direct a sitcom and stuff, and then like she's giving this screen this like screenplay that's like it wants to be rated M, but it's like a Disney show, and she's <laughs> not. I this whole this whole thing is poorly conceived. Yes, exactly. I I would say that I don't know if this would work as a cartoon. Uh, it probably would work better, but the comedy in it I, like like it's dreadfully unfunny i, I never really yeah. kind of laugh at anything of the, you know of, of anything on the show well, well 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 let me say really quick like because i hated the i hate episode four with the magician i hated the whole everything about that episode right 
but even that episode, like I could kind of see working in, in an animated format. Well, yeah, the the drunk girl character felt like something from Rick and Morty. She's or, a cartoon character. Yeah, it felt like something from from SNL, but they do it better, you know. And and oh, that's and, not saying much. Well, but but, but, that, but that, that, that's part of the that's part where I'm blaming this uh, director because mm. I because I, I don't think the director's good, but no. I, and I think the screenplay is bad. The screenplay is part of the conceit, but. I feel like if you were to hand hand a screenplay like this to like maybe like James Gunn, that he could probably get some more laughs out of it. But when you hand it you hand it to the director that's best known for directing the Jennifer Lopez movie Marry Me, and you get this. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think there are directors that could make this work better. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the director you're talking about is uh, is uh, Kat Cora. I think that's her name. She has done a lot of TV stuff, uh, a lot of comedy TV stuff. So. But yeah, she recently directed that uh, horrible rom-com Marry Me with Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez, two stars who have zero chemistry in that that movie. And it was dreadfully just dead, a dead kind of film that uh, doesn't, it's just terrible. And yeah, it feels like the same problems we have with with that movie, it's coming through with the She-Hulk. And even though if I, you know, like I think uh, to... Titiana Miss Lani, uh, who plays uh, Jennifer w- Walters in this, the the she Hulk. Right. I th- I think she's trying her best, and she's you know, but she really the material's uh, not there. Yeah, there's but there's not even real a character here to work no. from. She's really just an avatar for these writers to just you know like come up with you know s- snarky comments about toxic male work environment you know <laughs> like it's it's like really just uh, these dumb jokes and and uh, and i don't even think they they do that uh very well either yeah um, it's i don't know, I don't know. like it's, it, it's, it's terrible it's like contradicting it sometimes with like the stuff it's trying to say i don't know dude this this show might be just for like kardashian fans I, that's the thing do, do they like marvel yeah that's i don't th- know that's like <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like that target audience is like very small, right? I mean, I it, I mean, it's, it's, I think the Kardashians was the biggest thing on Hulu right before Prey. I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but there there's certainly an audience. But I think the those people who watch that show or watch those reality shows are not watching the Marvel shows, and I guess maybe that's the I reason agree. they're trying disagree. I know I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and maybe that's the reason for the show to like trying to branch up and pick up more people or something. I I don't know. I don't know what's the the point of the show. Well, yeah. well, uh, uh, Kevin Feige and I, I think like uh, Victoria Alonso and stuff have uh, said uh have have been saying I think maybe for the past couple of years uh, that they want to make stuff for specific audiences. They're not necessarily interested in going for the full end game you know mm-hmm. giant entire audience they're, they're they're more going for specific little audiences and they're doing more niche stuff so i i, I guess that they were expecting this <laughs> I, mean, I don't know i i don't know the ratings of the show if the ratings are even high but i'm a, i'm assuming that it's got to be a very low rated show but I mean, but if it's a high rated show then fine i mean it's, then you could say it's not for me but i, I doubt <laughs> it but uh, just to I mean, I, this character, Jennifer Walters, there's not much to her in this show. You don't learn anything about her. 
Uh, she's a terrible uh, attorney. <laughs> she's like she's like the worst attorney. So and not th- a superhero at all. Well, she. I mean, that's I guess that's, well, the, that's whole, the point. That's the point, right? Yeah. She doesn't want to be a superhero, but she contradicts herself. I mean, she hates the name She Hulk, but in the last episode, she wants to keep the She Hulk name, and it. You know, I. Oh I think, yeah, that was the last episode. That that would work in on anim- in animation. I think. I think that whole episode would have worked in animation. But you know, you would have to rewrite the jokes and you know make them funny. <laughs> These are terrible, terrible. Sh- I mean, it's hard to defend this show from like people who like want to shit on it because it's you know w- you know whatever it's too woke or it's fem you know feminist led or whatever, and you're like, well, give it a shot. But then I'm like. No, this is this is a terrible show. I mean, I can't defend this. This is yeah. a, this is this is basically trying. This show is trying to like be a troll to that kind of male uh, toxic male audience. I mean, the, the, that's the jokes in the show. They're like making fun of these yeah, tox, I, toxic I, male. I don't even care. I don't even care about that. If, if it were funny, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If we were, if we were... oh, it's okay. that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it's so it's hard for me to even defend it when they're really just going. Telling these terrible jokes and they're not funny, and it, you know I, I'm really scared about what they're going to do with uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil in the next oh, episode. Well, yeah, I know, oh, man. I don't like how they made it that this like fashion designer is like why why this dude why is this dude making Daredevil suit like it, it, he, Daredevil's well, why <laughs> <laughs> why is it going to a fashion designer? Well, that's the thing. This guy is like the biggest fashion designer who for superheroes, superheroes or something. I, I don't. It like, makes no sense. I really don't like you know how, what they're doing with this whole fashion designer and stuff in Daredevil. It's just completely baffling to me. Like I've been seeing videos online and people have been saying that this is actually a character for the Marvel comics and stuff like that. But oh. I don't know. I don't know. For me, like not everything from the comics needs to be, you know, brought to live action, like the TVA or whatever from Loki that didn't need to be brought to live. action. <laughs> you know, that, that needed to stay in the comics. Same with this fashion designer. We didn't need to bring him. And especially if you're going to bring a character like this, why to, uh, why to, uh, Matt Murdoch, a, a blind guy, you know what I mean? Like take, take a blind man to a fashion designer. It's just, I don't know. The, 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 and, and the character I just thought was incredibly annoying also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get what they were trying to do. They're trying to be like the Incredibles and stuff, but I mean, yeah. it works in animation. I mean, this, this is, this is so stupid. But, uh, uh, it's funny. Cause like I, I watched a YouTube video about she Hulk, the comic book and how, you know, this is before the show came, uh, came on. And really, a lot of the issues I have with the show is the same issues I have, you know, the same issues I would have if I read the comic book. With the comic, yeah. yeah. It's for another audience. It's because it, it's very meta. Uh, it's very kind of set in, in this world where they kind of speak to a insider baseball type of way where the whole idea that she's an attorney within this uh, superhero world. And it, it seems like the comic book was just there to kind of tie the loose ends of some of these kind of storylines in the comic books. And that's what they were trying to do in this series with like, say uh, Wong's uh, bout with, with, with uh, uh, abomination. abomination. And it's just not working in the show. And I, I guess that's, I mean, maybe it worked on the comic book, but you got to also think the comic book was never that successful either. So I don't understand why they're keeping that kind of, you know, why they feel like they need to keep it a very strict adaptation of the comic book. 
I think if anything, they could really kind of explore this this character and and do different things and make her actually better than the comic book. But they they they're not really interested in really developing the the character itself. You know, like I don't see any kind of development with with Jennifer Walters other than she is really a bad lawyer uh, and what lawyer? This is total <laughs> bullshit lawyer, man. This, it's there. It's bad. It's bad writing altogether. It's, yeah. it's it's bad humor and it's bad lawyering. It's bad. Um, I can't even blame the director. Or the direction. It's the writing that's even worse. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I get they wanted to go for a more of a, a a female audience, but you can make it better. I mean, look at New Girl. I mean, that 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 was a um, uh, the humor in New Girl was great. Me and Richard, you know, recently watched Miss Marvel, and we both really enjoyed that. It's mm-hmm. not make a you know an entertaining comic book series for a female audience you can do that and you can make it entertaining you know for 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 anybody but this is not it yeah right yeah so let's talk about you know let's keep it with the the theme of marvel me and rich just recently saw thor love and thunder (laughs) and uh raymond you saw this in theaters a couple months ago this uh, thor (laughs) love and thunder came out in vod or actually disney plus right and plus yeah and so the reason why we kind of didn't go to the movie theaters because I heard about the, the, the you know, the I guess the back. It wasn't that great. Yeah, it wasn't beloved by critics. Uh, and, uh, and, and, well, I also told you guys to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, like uh, uh, at this point, it, you know, with the TV series, the Marvel TV series and also the movies, it really kind of dawned on me that, you know, Marvel is needs a time to really slow down and really kind of figure out their shit before doing something else. I don't think they are slowing down at all. They seems like they're amping up their their production, and so I really feel I have this fear that they're not learning about the mistakes they have done. So when mm-hmm. Thor: Love and Thunder came out, I was really shocked at how bad it is. Even though I had low expectations with the movie, the show, the movie, I should say. It's terrible. It's a terrible movie. It had good elements in it, but it just overall, it was, it was just. I'm um, right from the opening. And right from the opening, it's bad. I mean, no, I like, Bale, I like the Christian Bale. Really? I thought the opening. opening with the, when he, when he's talking to the gods, I'm like, am I watching like Monty Python's The Meaning of Life? Like, what the hell am yeah. I watching? <laughs> well, like, like when he's talking to the gods and stuff, like, it, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And then the god is surrounded by like these like talking plants and stuff. I felt like it, it was oh. a mixture of like Monty Python, the meaning of life, and George Lucas's uh, Phantom Menace. Like, well, it was, it was just the most bizarre mixture of things, like British comedy mixed with like uh, CG creatures. And it was just a, a, an abomination. I hate, <laughs> I hated that opening. What, I, for an opening of the movie, I was like, this is a disaster. <laughs> what, what was the, your biggest problem with Thor, Love and Thunder? Um, the comedy, mm-hmm. the comedy, um, the, how it undercut from uh, what I thought could have been a pretty good storyline, man. Like i like what they drew. I like Jane Foster's storyline. I thought you could have done something, man. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, this whole cancer storyline, I think it's actually pretty good, mm-hmm. but the way they utilize it, just don't, don't even try. Don't mm-hmm. even do it. Cause you didn't do it justice. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's, it's. It's kind of insulting to people that do like had had cancer or cancer survivors because they they make like cancer jokes like right from the opening scene like when uh, Natalie Portman's introduced right right and yeah I, I agree that it's it was just totally misuse of every uh, most mostly everything especially like the Guardians of the Galaxy 
uh, they might as well have been edited out the whole movie. I mean, there was, yeah. it was just so, it, um, it was just, it was, uh, it was just to make a good trailer. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it, it's, it's all Taika's fault on this one. I, I can't blame anybody else. I mean, it, he, wrote it, it. he wrote it exactly. He directed they it. Went, they, uh, it, it seems like they went on uh, a script that was probably, um, no, no script at all. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like it was, uh, it seems like they got away with it in the first movie, whatever the first, uh, Taika's first Thor movie, Thor movie. And they thought they could get away with it, um, again, but they, they totally shit the bed on this one. I think really quick, I think we can all agree, right? Cause when I, when I watched this movie in theaters, I was so angry throughout the whole thing. But when we got to the end, I was like, oh, okay. Taika made this whole movie for his daughter. Mm-hmm. That that's the only reason this movie exists. Is Taika wanted to make a movie for his daughter, and then I started to look at this movie like, basically as a children's film. I didn't even look at it like a Marvel movie. I'm like, this is literally like this is like um, this is like Teletubbies. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is this is this is children's like four year old entertainment, and I I don't hate this movie as much as you guys. To me, it's, it's not good, but I'm like, this is a children's movie. This is like getting mad at like uh. I don't know. It's like getting mad at uh, I don't know any any Disney movie that comes out or whatever. Or I I, I couldn't really get too angry at this film. I but I can't take it seriously either. <laughs> Once we get to the end of the movie and we kind of understand what love and thunder means in the movie, then I realize mm-hmm. okay, I okay I understand what the movie is because it took a while to really understand what the, what what the point of this movie is. But I, I think when I saw the introduction of Christian Bale as, you know, Gore, the the God Butcher, I thought that was at least something interesting. You know, here's a guy who was worshiping this God of his, and, he, you know, he loses his daughter in the process. And then he ends up finding out the God he was, you know, praying to is really this obnoxious, self-righteous, self-centered God who doesn't care about anybody but himself. About himself. And so he f- becomes full of vengeance. And I go, wow, that's a great character start. So let's, let's cut to Thor and he, let him, let's have him, uh, you know, be the antithesis of that kind of argument. Like, let's, uh, let's Thor make an argument, like say, no, gods are really the only, you know, are completely hum- hum- uh, full of humanity and completely feel, feel for the, the common man. And yet, right. the rest of the movie is not that. And in fact, Thor just proves God Thor's <laughs> point. I mean, the rest of the movie feels like just could continue to like shit on superheroes and gods and like how let's look, you know, the he because Thor is probably the most egotistical superhero Avenger there is, and 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 he, it's done for laughs, you know. So we kind of that's what we like about him. Well, that that's the other criticism. That's the other criticism this movie's getting because, like, it, it it's go, it completely like negates all the character development that's been done with this character over the past I don't know yeah. five appearances that he's made because he's made a lot of character uh de- uh he's he he's grown a lot as a character mm-hmm. since you know Thor Ragnarok the the last two Avengers movies he's not the same character anymore but I mean this movie completely forgets that in a lot of ways it's kind of like Homer Simpson's a Simpson. You know, Homer gets stupider and stupider as each series continues in The Simpsons, right? And that's kind of like what Thor is. He becomes more stupid and more egotistical. And I think Gore has a very good point. 
you know? And so I thought for sure that Thor was going to disprove his argument, but no, he just kind of proves his argument. And, and even like, say, like Natalie Portman's character, Jane Foster, who I thought for sure is going to be the one who kind of like, you know, there, I mean, there's going to be a reason why she's the mighty Thor. And even her is like self-centered. Her, her reason that she, the whole reason she went to uh, uh, Asgard is that she heard that the the the, the you know the, the hammer could give her like a uh, could cure her from her her from her well, cancer? She, she claimed that it was calling her. Yeah, yeah, that's what they <laughs> did. I mean, but it, I, when I saw that, I go, that is why? What what the hell's going on here? She's supposed to be the hero. She's supposed to be, uh, you know, if it was about like yeah, the Thor the hammer was calling her, then I would understand that. But it, it clearly they cut to like, you know. Cure, you know, you know, whoever holds the hammer, there's, you know, like, is free of disease or something like that. I mean, I found that so kind of egotistical for a a main character to have and to start, you know, because it's the, you know, the reintroduction of Jane Foster in this this franchise. And I just thought that was just a bad way to do it. And 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 yeah, they tried to kind of uh, figure, you know, they tried to make up for it when she said that the the hammer was calling uh, was calling her. I, I just didn't buy it. I mean, I really hated that whole aspect. And I really just hated everyone in the in the movie. And I was actually rooting for Gore, Gore the God Butcher to kill everyone in this film. <laughs> but yeah, I like like I think this movie uh, just like just the writing itself was terrible. But it, you know, you hear the stories about what Sam Raimi had to go through in making uh, 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 the multiverse of madness, uh, the Doctor Strange sequel. And how he had no script and he had to like rewrite on the fly. I'm, I'm assuming this is the same thing that happened with Taika Waititi. And this is the problem with Marvel. No, he, I mean, the Greenland, Greenland. Yeah. Taika, you want to do a Thor movie? Yeah, go. Here's a, here's 200 million. Go. Yeah, but here's, here's. Just make this release date. Yeah. That's, the, I mean, that's the problem with the Marvel stuff that they, mm-hmm. they set the release date first and you got a, a certain amount of months or maybe a year to finish that, but then. What do you do with that? And what do you do with the character? And there's no. And plus, bigger... he had he was he was working on ten other things. Yeah, yeah, and he was producing ten other TV shows and stuff. Not 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 only producing, directing, and starring. Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely was spread out too thin during this yeah. time, and like yeah. so, I, I think there, there there's some really interesting ideas in the movie. You know, once we learn about what love and thunder is. Um, I thought that was interesting, like what Raymond was saying, that this movie was made for his children. It was made for his daughters. And you got to remember, when Taika Waititi started this, uh, this, this Marvel journey, he was married with children, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with, with the first Thor movie. He was married with children, happily married with children from New Zealand. He came to Hollywood. He did the movie. Now with Thor and Love and Thunder, he's divorced. I think his children lives in New Zealand. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they don't see each other as often as they could. He's busy as hell with other, uh, other projects. I'm sure he's, you know, misses his kids. And I think that plays a part in this movie. And I think you kind of feel that, but it's, it's such a kind of scattershot type of a film that does, doesn't really do anything to, to, to push Thor into a better kind of, situation i mean i think at the end i kind of liked what what thor ends up becoming but it's, it's just such a kind of nonsense uh raymond let me ask you about uh, uh um a scene that i love or a character i kind of enjoyed was russell crowe as zeus <laughs> did you like zeus in the I movie didn't, I didn't, 
I I I hated the whole sequence. Mm, interesting. I I I found it. I thought he was like the funniest thing about the movie. I I liked that he is yeah. doing some kind of Italian accent. I liked that he is. It reminded me of like uh, uh history part two. Uh, oh. or no, just history of the world, right? It reminded mm. me of Mel Brooks's history of the world. Uh, it, it seems like Russell Crowe was playing a a, a version of Don DeLuise as a, oh my god. <laughs> As 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 a as a, the Roman uh, emperor, uh, I I thought that's what I got out of it. Maybe I just read. Too, maybe I read too much into it. But I I had a good time yeah. watching watching the a sequence. I, I was cracking up. I, I definitely did not. <laughs> but I I think I think I liked I liked the uh, uh, Zeus in the movie. But uh, everything else I just was not not very fond of. And I was actually. Quite shocked at how unfunny the movie is, especially coming from Taika Waititi, who, you know, has a good re- record of comedy. Uh, I guess we don't recommend Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, just a, a big disappointment for all three of us. And uh, yeah, so uh, Raymond, you saw the Black Phone. I, let's quickly yeah. quickly talk yeah. about that because I, you know, we saw this when it, when the first came out of VOD, uh, like couple like a month ago. Uh, me and Rich loved the Black Phone. This is the new Scott Derrickson horror thriller, supernatural thriller, I guess you could say, with um, Ethan Hawke as the serial killer. Uh, but it's really just centered on these two kids, uh, brother and sister. What's your feelings uh, on the Black Phone? Um, I was a, a little underwhelmed by it just because I was expecting something kind of different. I was expecting more of a, a horror movie. But... Um... It it's solid. It's kind of like a Stephen King story, I guess. It's like a key, a Stephen King tale. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's kids and kids being abused, and there's kids with supernatural powers, basically, <laughs> or some supernatural connection. And it's the most Stephen King thing I've seen in a while. I'll say that. That wasn't done by Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was based on a short story by Joel Hill, who is Stephen King's son. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, Rich, I mean, you you love this movie like I did, uh, right? Yeah, I thought this was this was a, a, a true throwback of a thriller. Um, um, I was really impressed by it because although it's not very scary, it's got a, it's a great story, and I really like the acting and the uh, the, uh, the script. I mean, I, I really thought the the um, the violence in it. I mean, just the <laughs> generic violence, the, the traditional old school violence of kids kicking their other kids' asses. Um, like, uh, was like Stephen uh, King. A, yeah, it was a throwback to, to, to something we just don't see anymore. And mm-hmm. it was more real compared to, you know, regular, you know, Cobra Kai stuff, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, we should say that this is set in 1978. So it does have this kind of retro feeling to it. And, 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 and also it's, you know the violence. You know, kids beating up each other. Yeah, was very much something like that that happened back then. And parents uh, being real parents was spanking with <laughs> with belts and shit. Yeah, and just being, <laughs> being really evil and terrifying at, at the same time. And I think that one particular scene with the father and the son uh, with the daughter, uh, that was just hard to watch because. And I think that's the true kind of horror of, of the movie. Seeing some of these kind of like 
you know, extreme. I'm, I'm not even sure. With, I'm not even sure what scene you're talking about right now. It's uh, with J- Jeremy Davies. He's the uh, alcoholic father, and he was kind of whipping the, the daughter. And I, I think it's just seeing the kind of the graphic oh. nature of just whipping someone, a young like kid. When you're first like intro- when you're first introduced to him. Yeah, and you know, being told in a kind of serious, <laughs> unflinching way okay, is see, the real okay, horror of the movie. Let, 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 let me let me come at it. Uh, let me say something because I actually disagree with you guys. Because to me, I, I agree with you guys. That stuff's like terrifying and stuff. But I thought the way it was kind of directed and told, like I don't agree with you guys that it was like realistic and stuff. To me, it was actually kind of directed in a very kind of melodramatic way. It mm. felt very kind of, I don't want to say campy because I, I think campy would have even, uh, I would have even appreciated more than mm. what they went with. It just didn't feel real to me. Mm. And um, oh. yeah, it felt very like movie. And, um, no, I didn't have a real, it didn't have a realism to me. It, 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 I, I wish it did. I see. I, I mean, but, I see what you mean with the, the with the, like the like school bully when the, there was a school bully who goes around no, and I punches. Even, even the scene when she went with the, with the, with the, with the dad and stuff with the, with the kids and stuff when he was being an abusive father. I think that scene is done much better. And I think that, uh, what Jeremy Davis Davies does in there is, is serious. I think he's, he's working with that young actress. I think both of them do a good job. They seemed like they really worked at that, uh, that sequence out first before they mm-hmm. went into it. And it was a, it was a scene that kind of was a little bit better than most scenes in the movie. Now, is it a horror movie? I don't think this is a horror movie per se. It's more of a supernatural. It's kind of melodramatic to me. It's almost I, like a melodramatic I, I, thriller. I, I can supernatural. see that. Supernatural. I can, I can yeah, see that. But the supernatural element, like, it's, like, I guess, like, it, it's supernatural totally. But, you know, a lot of times when you think of supernatural, you think of, like, kind of, like, ghosts and stuff like right, that. And this right, is, Like, you know, a person talking on the phone and a girl seeing visions. But, so it's, it's very Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, and I, I see what you mean with the melodramatic stuff. I think some of the kids are kind of, it seems like they were shot. It seemed like the the kids, the, the children's acting felt like something from an 80s TV movie, which I think maybe even helped yeah. capture that, that you know, that late 70s, early 80s spirit. Uh, you know, there is a backlash for this movie because I think horror fans... I think horror fans have said that this is not scary at all, and I would agree. This is not necessarily. Yeah, I, a, I don't. I think this is this is to me. This is kind of a bait and switch movie because I I thought the trailer really made it look like this is a horror film, and to me, this is kind of like a a melodramatic thriller. Yeah, I would say this like, this is very much a survival thriller where we're watching this kid who is kidnapped by a serial killer. This is what I say. Ethan Hawke, and I think this is another criticism that people might have that Ethan Hawke is playing a a kidnapper, we could say that he's maybe not. A, you know, he's a he's certainly a serial kidnapper, and and so yeah. so at the very least, yeah. But he he is his background or he, who he is as a character is not really explained. There's a lot of things that not are not really explained. The supernatural. Well, it's ele- all from the child's perspective. Yeah, and the supernatural elements are not explained at all, and so I think a lot of people are, are frustrated by that, and I think that's why you got this little bit of Backlash. Although I think there's a lot of people who just truly, truly love it, like I do. I think this is just to me, Black Phone was one of the better films of this year so far for me. Yeah. And it might end up in being my top 10. Certainly, certainly around there, around the bottom 10. 
But yeah, I'll have to re- I'll have to rewatch it before the before we you know yeah 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 figure out uh, our time. There, yeah. There's there's still a lot of mo- movies I haven't. Ca- I mean, I need to catch up with a lot of movies. But I was really surprised by this movie about how how much is not like that typical horror stuff. You know, like if they would have like explained all the supernatural stuff, I would say, oh, this is just like the Conjuring, right? Oh yeah. But to me, to me, the Black Phone still did kind of remind me a lot of a conjuring type movie but like a conjuring type movie kind of mixed with a stephen king type of storyline or stephen king type of almost like if james wan had directed a stephen king adaption mm-hmm. because uh, the movie's very really kind of safe to me and i think that's kind of part of where you're coming from where like it doesn't explain anything mm-hmm. and um I, I don't know i guess i guess i guess i'm i'm kind of like the people that are i guess are a bit more frustrated with the movie i just i wanted a bit more out of it uh, to me, if to me, it felt like a lot, um, like a, a de-stylized version of Lovely Bones. Oh yeah, is, yeah. Which interesting, yeah, which, yeah. Which, oh, that, 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 that. Yeah, I see that. Which I liked. I like better. I like I like Black Phone a lot better. Yeah, I, I I like Lovely Bones, but Lovely Bones got yeah with the stylistic stuff. It got way too overboard. Yeah, but I think I think Lovely Bones like it still kind of hit me a bit harder. But maybe that's because I was like. 12 years younger or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, black phone to me, when I was watching it, it reminded me of this comic book that I used to read in the nineties called stray bullets, which Mm. was from a a writer, uh, artist, David, David Lapham, David Lapham. And it, it, it's not necessarily a horror, uh, comic book. It's more kind of a mysterious, uh, very much like Stephen King esque uh, crime thriller. And I, that when I was watching Black Fun, I go, oh fuck, this really kind of feels like a straight bullets type of storyline. And that that's why I kind of really, really enjoyed it. It kind of reminded me of that great comic book that I used to read. And 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 and, and straight bullets, they, they they would, you know, there's children was main characters. Uh it's set during like the 70s. And it also had deals with like uh, you know, kidnappers and, and uh gangsters and and you know tough subject matter but it's not necessarily a horror movie or a horror genre but i that's why i kind of maybe that's why i kind of really really dug the black phone because it it reminded me of like some of this you know simple uh, storytelling back then uh yeah i mean scott derrickson who was uh originally was supposed to direct the the doctor strange sequel he bounced out of that because of greater differences and he did this movie instead and i think it it did well for him. I think it, uh, even though it didn't really open big, but I think uh, overall, still the most successful horror movie of the year. Yeah, I think overall it, it did over 150 something. Uh, did it wor- worldwide? Wow. Wor- worldwide, I think. Oh, okay. Didn't know. And um, I I liked it more than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> okay, there you go. So you know, there's that. I think it's a great uh, Halloween movie. Mm. I don't know about that. No. I it's think a great mask it, it, for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mask. Well, if uh, you haven't seen it yet, I would, I would highly recommend The Black Phone. Uh, Rich, you would highly recommend it? Definitely. And Raymond says, ah, moderate, moderate recommend. I say rent. That's a rental. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to now. <laughs> yeah, it's available on VOD right now. Uh, all right. So, um, Raymond, let's talk about you. You saw some movies in theaters uh, quickly. Uh, let's talk about Pearl. You saw Pearl? Okay, yeah. I just watched Pearl a couple nights ago. Uh, it's a prequel to X. Um, 
very shocking that we're getting a prequel to X or that we got a prequel to X and then they just announced that we're getting a, a sequel to X that's <laughs> going to take place 10 years later. Um, Pearl, though, um, it was it was it was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because, you know, I, w- it's, I would have hated it if it were, you know, the exact same thing as X, just in a different setting or whatever, or not even different, set, just in a different time period. Mm-hmm. And um, Pearl is really like a character kind of driven horror film. In fact, something that surprised me about it is I wouldn't even say that many people really die in that movie, in the movie. Mm. It's really kind of just a, a, you're watching this person that's, you know, clearly something's wrong with her. And then you're just seeing her kind of like um, just kind of break down and kind of get worse and worse as the movie progresses. And you just... uh it was just uh, it's like it's really a character piece, and you're just with her the whole time. And um, I think really the main reason to go see the movie is because of Mia Goth. I mean, she was outstanding in X, but in this movie, I mean, she takes it up a notch. I mean, this is probably my favorite performance of the year. And wow. I mean, she's not she's not going to get any Academy love. I mean, mm-hmm. horror never gets love. In, uh, the act horror actors never get love in uh, from the Academy. But um, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, this is probably the best performance I've seen all year. She's uh, terrific in the movie. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't really know what else to say without uh, getting into spoilers because it has a very simple story. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I think if you've seen X, for the most part, you probably know what what happens in the movie, but I still still don't want to give anything away because I, I think there, were, there was still at least one thing that surprised me. Uh yeah, do you have to like see X first no, before no, seeing? You don't have to. You don't have to. Okay. Well, X was set in the 1970s. It was kind of like a mixture of uh, the adult film industry and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And this and this still comments on the uh, adult film uh, industry going on. I guess what like during the 1940s or whatever, because there is like a a sequence in the film because um, Pearl is like seeing a character that kind of works at a movie theater and. Mm. And at the movie theater, they they they're it's in the early fa- stages where they start to begin to play um like kind of like late nights, early pornos or like or, or, like the first pornos ever 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 produced. I don't I don't know what what the term for it is, mm-hmm. but um it, yeah. So they touch on that a little bit. Like porn's still a theme in the movie, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, uh, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a more of a. A char- yeah, a character-driven horror film. Okay. Psychological, almost. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, according to this, uh, it's set in 1918, right before uh, World War One. So, yeah, it's a, and I guess it's, a, a, maybe the word you're looking for is stag film, which is like kind of mm. what they used to call it back then. And, and I guess the, the, the sequel, or the, the, the part three of the trilogy, Maxine, is going to be set in the 80s, the, the porn world of the 80s. Yeah, and I, I guess in, in, the, in the sequel, it's going to be the, the Maxine character actually finally succeeds and is in the porn industry. So it should be a completely different story from you know what we got in Pearl and from what we got in X because um, you know, both of those movies took place in, in, this, uh, in the same location. There's mm-hmm. like a little farmhouse or whatever. And uh, this... I mean, this is going to be a new, a new, new, completely new location, new decade, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I imagine it's going to be uh, tackling like a new, different style of horror films, also. Yeah, the video market, you know, and the, the kind of serial killer slasher film of the '80s, stuff like that. Uh, we don't know when the Maxine's going to come out. Maybe later this year, or maybe even 
probably next year, maybe early next year. Uh, but X, you know, we did maybe see January. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe for Sundance, maybe they're going to premiere on Sundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, X uh, came out earlier this year. We actually all saw the X, and uh, Raymond, you loved X. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not wasn't the biggest fan of it. Rich, were, did you love X? Uh, love, no, no. But um, yeah, it's just a horror film that didn't get wasn't very scary again. Um, but I appreciate the style of how it was shot and mm-hmm. how the look of it, the acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kid Cudi is great in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, he was very good in the movie. Uh, Ty, I mean, I, was, I would say Ty West, uh, you know, his style for X was pretty decent. It's definitely a throwback to the 70s horror movies. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a big influ- influence for, for the film. I do like the kind of the, the concept of, of X, like how they, mm-hmm. like adult films and horror are kind of almost the same beats. You know, they, it's it's almost a, a kind of a... a, a expectation and and then you know like then something happens and it's a build up and then and then and then you know it's almost you know in the way he shoots it it's almost like a a college thesis in the way he kind of you know these two genres that you don't think will mix but they kind of work very well together in tangent and and you know you know when they're shooting the like some of the porn stuff uh, that's when the killer arrives and you know they have the same kind of climax so I th- I like that kind of intellectual idea behind the movie, but overall, I think it's a, it's just a decent kind of thriller, horror thriller. Uh, but- you know what? I'll, I'll say something really quick because I I think um, I think Pearl actually makes X better. Interesting. So I'm kind of curious. I kind of curious how you guys will because um, I think it adds more context to the movie and and it adds it, it adds almost another layer to, to to just to the Pearl character and it, it almost kind of connects to the. It's because her character's very, very sexual in the film. She, she's mm. very horny, and you kind of it makes you think back at her character in X, and she's very sexual in that movie as well. And <laughs> it kind of all got kind of gets brought up because she's like watching this kind of um, this porno crew, you know, make this film, and uh, so it, Explain, it, it explains a lot. You're saying, yeah, yeah. All right, so you say if you're a fan of X, you gotta definitely watch Pearl, which is down in theaters. Well. That's- yeah, yes, also yes, but um if you're if you want to see a movie where it's like, you know, a bunch of people are getting killed, you know, from beginning to end, like not I think maybe only like three people died in the movie or something like that and it's not it's pretty spread out, like it's not it's not the type of horror film. It's more just creepy and disturbing and yeah, it's 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 different. It's a different type of horror film. Okay, so before we go, give me your thoughts on another horror movie that you saw recently, The Barbarian, which is a which number one movie that came out of theaters. It has like this great buzz surrounding it, leading up to the theatrical release, and I think even now it might be getting more buzz as people are learning about the movie. Uh, so, what was your feeling? This now, this is a kind of more of a traditional horror movie. Would you say? Um, no. Okay, tell us okay, about. Tell I, us. I, I, I... I I love this movie. This is one of my favorite movies so far of the year. It's a very simple movie. It's a very simple story. And I would say that the story of the movie is something that we've seen in horror many, many, many times before. What really made the movie special to me is kind of the way it's all presented and the way the story unfolds. Because while the story is very simple and basic and something we've seen in horror many times before, the way they presented it to me is very fresh for the horror genre because it, it 
it honestly, the way the way the story is told, it kind of reminded me of like Pulp Fiction. Because oh, wow. yeah, because you you get introduced to you get introduced to you know some characters, and um, the first act of the movie plays out, and it's one thing, and then by the end of the the first act, you know there's there's no there's no twists in this movie or anything. By the end of the first act, you know what's going on, you know everything that's happening, but then but when the second act you know begins, get introduced to a completely new character. And, you know, the story goes on in its own direction. And then you're just kind of wondering the whole time, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And eventually it kind of, you know, all kind of comes together. And then the third act, you get introduced to a whole other, a whole another piece. And then it kind of all comes all together in the end. And, the, and just the way kind of, you know, the story unfolded, I, I don't think I've seen a horror movie like that. Um, I'm sure there has to be another horror film I've seen like that before, but I haven't seen a horror film, you know, told in such a unique way. And, and uh, I don't know, probably like at, at least a decade or so. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really fresh screenplay. And then the characters are just all, all really, I don't want to say great. Cause I hated some of the characters in the movie, but you want like the movie wants you to hate these characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Some of these characters and, and even the characters that you hate in the movie, they were still very interesting, and they were they were they were characters that I wanted to know more of and be around of, even though I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's 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 a, it's a great screenplay. It's a really great screenplay, and I understand why there's a lot of people walking out of this movie saying that they didn't like it or that they think it's overrated. Because I think really to be a fan of this movie and to really appreciate it. You have to be a fan of of storytelling because mm. because the horror of this movie and the twists and stuff there's there's really not any twists in the movies. Like I said, by the end of the first act, you know what's going on. Mm. If you've seen horror films, this is very this is very you know basic horror stuff. It's been done in many franchises, but um, it's just again the way it's kind of the story unfolds and the way it's presented. It's really unique. And then to to add to it, the, the director surprisingly has some pretty some really uni- unique visuals. And mm. while watching the movie, I, you know, I, I you know I'm brought back to you know like these long like John Carpenter shots and stuff like that. And it's just the whole movie kind of felt like a celebration of of, of a specific subgenre of horror. I don't, I'm not going to say which subgenre of horror. Okay. It felt like a big celebration of it. And it felt like a celebration of the sub of the subgenre of horror throughout the years because so many aspects of the movie feel like very traditional horror film, but you see a lot of aspects that you see in more modern horror films. And I thought it kind of blended it all perfectly. And you, um, I've been seeing a lot of kind of interviews with the with the um, director and writer of the film, and it's kind of interesting, uh, kind of how he kind of conceived this movie. Because he's been talking about how he he came up with this movie, uh, like he was just doing a writing project, and he wrote a kind of a, a just a basically a little story about two characters that you know that overbook an Airbnb, and they almost like kind of started almost of as one thing, and then he kind of just started building on building off it and kind of twisting things around, and you know how could I how could I make this you know not traditional and surprise the audience and. And I, you just don't, I don't really hear about people writing screenplays like this anymore. And, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I was appreciate it, the movie a lot. Was it any, very fun. Is there any comedy in the movie? Yeah. 
Okay, so it's darkly comic. There's comedy in the movie, but it, it's all it all comes from like um, the situation. It all comes from situation. It all moves. It all moves the plot. Because it you, it's not there's not just like comedy for for comedy's sake. Well, you you mentioned the writer director. His name is Zach Craigers, and it's funny because he is a comedian. He's a more of a, a comic actor. He's from the comedy troupe. The sketch, yeah, yeah, sketch comedy. Yeah. The whitest kid, the whitest kids, you know, which was a also a series uh, on, I guess, uh, Comedy Central, maybe. IFC. Oh yeah, IFC. And so, uh, he, you know, here's another one. Here's another guy from a comic, uh, comedy background who's doing horror, like very much like Jordan Peele. And it seems like those guys are doing uh, kind of inventive stuff in horror now or something. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah, he, he says he actually uh, he screened this for Jordan Peele before before it came out just to get his opinion on it and stuff. So mm. all these comedians that are making these horror films are also friends. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you saying definitely check this out. Yes, but um, I, I did have to say though, that, you know, that this is a very simple movie because I am seeing online. There's a lot of people like watching this movie. They're like, "What's the big deal? Mm-hmm. You know, what's so special about this movie?" Like, there, and I think it's because a lot, a lot of these people, they were just probably, you know, they wanted to see something really scary and stuff. And this, I think, this is more of like for people that are into storytelling and want to see a movie told in a different way. Because I think that's kind of what this movie really delivered on. If you want to see something that, like, I don't know, uh, has like a bunch of deaths and uh, it's very gory and stuff, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think Barbarian is necessarily that. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you want that, maybe watch the Texas Chainsaw movie that's on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying skip bodies, 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 but go run and watch Pearl and Barbarian. Uh, bodies, bodies, bodies was such a frustrating movie <laughs> because I predicted the ending of bodies, bodies, bodies in the first fifteen minutes, and it pisses me off so much that because I'm to me I'm just like, how did other critics not predict it as well? Mm-hmm. They like, like, I can't be the only one. I, I like I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? I, you guys always predict stuff in movies before me. I mean, like I know you guys are going to watch this movie and you're going to be like, oh, in the first ten minutes, like, oh, okay, I know, I know how this ends because it's like basic screenwriting, like. If you know, like, uh, you know, Chekhov's gun or whatever, you should know how this, this movie ends, like, in the first 15 minutes. But I don't know. Uh, today's critics are funny. All right. That ends this podcast episode. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Uh, we got some recommendations down there for you. Uh, go to InsideFlicks.com if you want to hear our past episodes. We also got a YouTube channel where we just do box office news. All right. So far. So far. Uh, all right. So thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. I'll be back next week with more discussions on movies and TV. All right. Take it easy. Take it easy. Keep it sleazy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)